on the streets, bro was a professional booster. Started off small, going to TJ Maxx, just stealing, you know, little bags of clothes. He upgraded, heading up Walmart and Target, you know, go ahead and fill in his shirt with a whole bunch of electronics. Upgraded again, making raids out of Best Buy. Bro goes to prison, obviously, for theft. Becomes the chain gang's biggest thief, specifically within food service. Having the biggest heist food service has ever seen in the chain gang. Bro stole the whole kitchen. All right, good afternoon. This is State of Florida versus Stephen Testo with multiple cases before the court. Yo, what's good, man? It's your boy Eada King, and this is the Incarceration Podcast, where I talk about prison, pre, post, and present, and how everything that I experienced throughout my incarceration has forever changed my life. This is the incarceration. Forever Convict family, we completed the journey to 5,000 subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But that's not all. Now just go ahead and run it up to 10K. We can do it. We hit 5,000 subs within a couple months. So just go ahead and continue to turn up and just get to 10,000 subscribers by February. By the end of February, we can do it. So listen, if you haven't subscribed, scroll down now, hit the subscribe button. And even if you have, share this channel with somebody who's interested in prison content. And once again, Forever Convict family, man, put your story in the comments. If you've done any type of time, whether it be the county jail time, federal time, state time, go ahead and share your experience in the comments. Anything that I haven't specifically spoke on relating to incarceration, let me know and we can talk about it, man. So continue to go ahead and blow up this channel. We are on the journey to 10,000 subscribers. So in prison, there's obviously a lot of theft. You know, inmates stealing from other inmates, whether it be robbery, like straight up with a knife or, you know, people kicking in people's lockers when they're not there, stealing or extortion, making people pay rent uh, because they're weak or they're in fear or they just are outnumbered or whatever it may be. Or even when it comes to the incarcerated population, you know, stealing from administration, anything small to like a nice ink pen to even maybe trying to steal their lunch when they're not paying attention. But today we're talking about not only stealing and theft, but specifically in regards to food service, the chow hall, the kitchen, and prison. So we got to understand, in prison, the number one commodity is food. Don't get me wrong now, like cell phones and drugs and cigarettes and all that which is illegal considered contraband in prison those are obviously like high ticket items but not everybody's on that type of time and you kind of got to like jump through hurdles and all that and you got to be uh, strategic or you got to be super intentional you know to have access to those things but food i mean food is you know accessible to everybody when it comes to the chow hall and especially the canteen so the number one commodity in prison is food, hands down. 
So therefore, it's also the number one item that people trade. You know, that's money on the compound. You know, people gamble with tunas and soups and honey buns or bags of coffee or they pay debts, you know, with food because, you know, that's money. You know, you can sell food on the pound um, for money. You know, you have the canteen prices, but then you also got the price for items on the land, like the land prices, um, and the prices on the land are normally a little bit cheaper because when you buy from the window, you know, you're swiping with your card. But whenever you buy off the compound, you just barter. You know what I mean? So it passes through a lot of hands. So whenever you get food from the gambling table or sometimes people sell bags, like canteen bags full of food. And because they do it, because well, the bags are normally more expensive than the canteen just because people can use it as a hustle. But the whole point that I'm getting at is that food is pretty much like the U.S. dollar in America and when it comes to prison. You know, whatever food item it is, you know, it's it's used for barter, it's used for trade. And this also keep in mind that in prison, everybody's hungry. Why? Because you only get three trays a day. And some states, I hear now, they're not even giving out three trays no more. Some states, they kind of like uh, transferred over to only two trays a day. And like I heard for lunch or whatever, they give out like little protein uh, bars or little bites or whatever. I don't even know. It hasn't happened in the state of Florida. So me personally, from firsthand experience, I don't know. If you were in one of those states to where they're only giving out two trays a day, let us know how it is. Put it in the comments below and maybe we'll talk on it. So in prison, everybody's hungry. And for the most part, even the people are still junked out and using drugs. For the most part, people are more healthy in prison. It's because like it's more structure. You got the police controlling you and telling you what you can and can't do. And people obviously don't have access to like get drunk 24-7 and to be homeless or to smoke crack or shoot cocaine or heroin or whatever 24-7. Even though those things can still be done in prison, it's definitely limited to what it could be if they were free. So for the most part, the majority of people in incarcerated are more healthy. They're getting more sleep. You know, they just have time to kind of think and get a little bit more mentally healthy and to take care of themselves. And especially because, you know, we're served three trays a day. And you would think that, okay, because maybe some of these people are eating more in prison than they did in society, they wouldn't be hungry. But because the reality that everyone is a little bit more healthy, some people a lot more healthy in prison, it's because now they're kind of like on a regular biological, I guess, you know, like structured uh, clock of how their body's supposed to be. And especially whenever you're bored and you don't have like so many things to fill your schedule with, you're naturally more hungry, I think. Uh, maybe from my personal experience, I definitely don't see myself as being as hungry out here in the free world with so many responsibilities and everything's moving so fast and there's so much stuff that I have to do and has to be done. I'm definitely not as hungry as I seem to be like I remember when I was in prison. So in prison, everybody's hungry. The trays that they give you definitely aren't that much. They won't fill you up. And even if you, you know, eat somebody else's food or try to slide back and get two trays, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have canteen, man, it's hard to survive, man. You go to sleep every night with your stomach touching your back. You're starving. You got to learn the water trick, you know what I mean? Drinking, you know, big cups of water, trying to get full on water just to trick your stomach to make you think that you're full. Um, so therefore, you know, food then becomes the number one commodity in prison. So because that, what does that mean? 
everybody steals and especially people who work in food service. If it's not tied down, people are stealing it. And even if it is tied down, people are going to figure out how to break it off the lock or whatever it's tied to just figuratively, you know what I mean, to get what they want. Man, listen, it's anywhere from small things to like salt and pepper packets or, you know, getting access to the box of salt and pepper and people filling up, you know, uh, gloves of salt and pepper and or whatever it is, you know, to hamburgers or chicken or, or even the liquid eggs, whatever's in food service is getting stolen, hands down, point blank, period. So you got different types of thieves in food service. Like I mentioned already, you got some small thieves and they're just stealing whatever they can get their hands on, kind of small stuff. They're taking petty stuff back to the dorm, you know, like extra hot dogs that they had for dinner or salt and pepper packets or ketchup and mustard packets. And they're really just stealing to survive so they can have more food at the end of the night. Or maybe they're bringing back whatever they can get their hands on just so they can sell it in the dorm and just make a few extra couple dollars just so they can get some hygiene or some coffee or whatever. And these are the guys who normally don't have relationships like on the pound of, you know, who have networked and built some, you know, uh, just connections with guys in food service who got the good spots. You know, they're working in the uh, religious diet program or they're working in the storage room or they're working in the butcher shop to where all the good stuff is, such as the fish, the tuna, the juice, uh, the chicken, the sausage, you know, all the high ticket items. That's under secure lock and key. Everything is, but that stuff's like behind two doors. You know what I mean? That stuff's really protected. So all day, every day in food service, man, people are stealing. It's, you know, common protocol when any food service worker goes into food service and when he's leaving, the police is working food service is always, you know, patting down uh, the the inmates leaving, coming and going from food service because they already know what the lick is. I mean, you got guys in food service, they're saran wrapping each other, you know, with saran wrap and they're getting you know, strapped, they call it strapped up. They're strapping them up with everything. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, uh, grills and all that in food service. So they cook grilled cheese, you know, you know, grilled chicken and anything you could think of when it comes to food service. They're cooking everything. I'm talking about they're cooking some fire stuff and they're selling on the pound cheaper than you would buy these freaking $5 cheeseburgers on canteen. So most people on the pound, when they want some hot food, you know, it costs like five, six dollars to get you an 18 wheeler from Canteen or a big ass uh, chicken sandwich. After that's what they're called, big ass AZ, big ass chicken sandwiches, or you know, that food from the Canteen. The hot food is expensive, so people would rather spend a couple of dollars on you know the diet cook or the cook in food service because that's his hustle. Or other guys in food service who they go back there and they steal and they'll go ahead and throw down a sandwich. Or you know the cook or the diet cook they'll send out runners and they'll like I said they'll strap them up and they'll just serve they'll sell all these sandwiches on the compound two three dollars a piece. You know they're making you know twenty twenty five dollars a day. You know so they got a great hustle. So everybody steals in food service. Not everybody. But the majority of people steal in food service. But today, we're talking about El Chapo. Like I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, the guy who was stealing everything in society, anything that he could get his hands on, started a lot boosting small at TJ Maxx and graduated all the way to Best Buy, stealing flat screens and computers and cameras and anything he could get his hands on. The same guy got the nickname in prison. El Chapo. Why? 
because he was the plug. Anything you could think or you could want from food service, not only did he have it, but he had it in unlimited supply. See, El Chapo was a storage room guy. So whenever you're in food service, I was a butcher man for like three years at a certain prison I was at. So I already know, you know, the butcher man in the storage room, they pretty much work the same. You got to do inventory every week. So you got to go ahead and order all the food, you know, that the food service people have to order the company, you know, from the, the food supplier. So that way the whole compound can be fed what they need based upon the menu. So you have to know the menu. You have to know how much. Uh, product needs uh, you, that the the prison needs to serve each meal, and of course, you know you got the food service workers and the supervisors. They're checking and everything, but some of the food service workers and the supervisors they don't understand uh, fully, you know, what is needed to serve the meal. But also, too, just like in any in anything, there's always a loophole, and not to go in too much detail, but there's definitely loopholes when it comes to the guys you know, filling out the inventory of how to lie and how to, you know, misplace things so that way they can order more. So El Chapo, on the regular, he would always have things ordered more. So every single week, the food truck comes. And when the food truck comes, everybody in food service, you know, they all have to get forced to unload this huge 18-wheeler full of food. And, you know, everybody hates it because they got to carry a whole bunch of stuff. So normally the police will run down everybody in food service and make them all go out there and make everybody unload the truck. But a lot of people love food truck day. Why? Because everybody's stealing off the food truck. And because in prison there's limited officers, there's limited, you know, staff to watch everybody. They normally only have one officer and a few food service workers. But they got like 20, 25 inmates. So, you know, they can't watch everything and everybody. So they're really just trying to secure like the high ticket items. But man, normally every food truck day, someone's going to jail or someone's getting caught or multiple people are getting caught stealing. And that's what everybody does. Everyone's stealing juice or the sardines or, you know, they'll even steal like a whole case of frozen hamburger patties. And it's frozen now just so they can go hide it somewhere else in the kitchen. They can cook it later. So when food truck day comes... Everybody's stealing. And it's funny because during food truck day, if you go at the if you go to the bathroom or the swill room when they throw away like all the rotten food and they, you know, send it out to the pigs on the farm and all that. If you go to the swill room or if you go to the bathroom during like the food truck time, you're bound to see somebody in the bathroom or in the swill room, you know, with their shirt off or even their pants down. And they got somebody else just taking the saran wrap and they're just strapping them up with a whole bunch of food supplies, whatever it is. Like I said, sardine or juices. And I'm talking about they strap them up from the legs, whole body. And they put the blues back on and they try to go ahead and bust out the chow hall without getting searched and make it back on the compound and make it back to the dorm so they can sell what they stole. And of course, split it up with the people who they stole with, you know, their partners. So back to El Chapo. Listen, he was so smart. What they would do is they would organize this crazy heist with the food truck. They would pay a crash dummy to make it seem like he was trying to steal like a big ticket item. They would forfeit a big ticket item like a box of sardines or something. And they would have this crash dummy. They'd pay him whatever. They already would make an agreement with them. Listen, if you go to jail, you know, if they would keep you back there, you know, we'll shoot, we'll shoot you food. We'll take care of you while you're back there. And they'll pay him whatever they paid him for to crash out. So this guy, the crash dummy, 
he would act like he's trying to steal this box of sardines and he would purposely get caught by the officer or the food service worker. So when they catch him, they'd be like, hey, you know, we know you're trying to still get that back. And he would just nut up. He would go crazy. He would throw it and start arguing or whatever. And he would just make a big scene. And the reason why he would make a big scene was why? And he's a decoy. He's trying to get everybody's eyes and everyone's attention on him. But that's all El Chapo and his boys need. Because the moment that the officer and the food service workers are focused on this one crash dummy who's making a big old scene, they already made the move that they needed to make. And there's already like eight to ten boxes missing of these high ticket items. And these high ticket items, they're gone within seconds. They already got people from other side of the pound. They're already all into this and they already, I'm not going to go into the details to expose the plan and how they did it, but just know that they had people from the pound and they had a certain route and they got it to where all those packages of these high ticket items, like other sardines and um, con- the concentrate juice and all the stuff, which is expensive now. And it's like the best stuff that people be buying and buckets of peanut butter. You know, that stuff's super expensive. It's five gallon bucket of peanut butter. You know, they'll have multiple of these items gone within seconds. And by the time the truck's done and they're doing inventory, El Chapo's like, yo, we're short this, 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 and this and that. And they already know. Food service knows. They got hit. Now, you would think that because this happens on a weekly basis, that they would have to figure out what's going on. But El Chapo was so smart. He didn't do it every single week. And if he did, he would fluctuate in the amount of things and how much they would steal. And of course, he was still all throughout the week as well. But listen, El Chapo was stealing so much from food service that everybody on the pound, that's what they called him, man, El Chapo. He was smart. You know, he wouldn't let anything really pass between his hands. He had his workers running stuff for him. But people on the compound, if they wanted to buy a five-gallon bucket of peanut butter, they could. He would sell it for, I think, like $100. And the guys in the dorm, you know, say like a, a group of guys in the dorm, they all hang out and they do time together. They cook at night or they work out together, whatever. Everyone puts up $5. You know, they come up with $100 and they get a big old five-gallon bucket of uh, peanut butter. And that probably lasts them, you know, a week, you know, two weeks. And everybody's eating as much peanut butter as they want, you know, all week, you know, for their workout meals or whatever. Um, so, man, listen, El Chapo changed the game when it comes to food service heist. He was that dude when it comes to theft. But at the end of the day, man, no matter how much they stole or no matter how much people eat, even myself, whenever I eat food from food service, if I buy, you know, um, one of these stolen hamburger sandwiches or whatever, or whatever it was, of course, it's good for the moment, but just in time, you're left hungry again. The whole point that I'm getting at is that no matter how much somebody steals, no matter how much somebody attains, you're always left unfulfilled. And obviously in prison, you know, people, you know, who come from, you know, criminal lifestyles, we've been deceived by that lie, thinking that the more that we have, or if we get over or we buck the system, there's that, you know, slight little bit of pleasure. But at the end, man, it's fleeting. It's not fulfilling. Only Jesus can fulfill. And one of the greatest lessons I learned throughout my incarceration was contentment, 
was learning how to be content with absolutely nothing, even though it was difficult at times. And don't get me wrong, I was blessed throughout pretty much the majority of all my biz, you know, have my people looking out for me with money on the books, and I was never really starving for a long period of time. But of course, man, anybody in prison is hungry. And there was definitely times when I went without, but ultimately just the entirety of my incarceration, the Lord definitely drilled home to me how to be content, but also to remembering that no food, no money, no success, nothing in this world brings fulfillment apart from Jesus. He alone fulfills, man. So once again, Forever Convict family, we are on the journey now to 10,000 subscribers. So thank you again for helping the channel reach 5,000 subs and just continue, man, to blow up this channel. Let's get to 10,000 and let's keep going. So listen, Forever Convict family, if you've done any amount of time, whether it was in the county jail, state uh, prison or federal prison, man, share your stories, put it in the comments. Anything that I haven't talked about that you want me to talk about, let me know. If you had a different experience or something I've already mentioned, man, let me know, dog. Go ahead and put it in the comments. And also, too, if you do not know, I am a rapper. My artist name is E.I. The King. I have a whole nother YouTube channel. It's E.I. The King on YouTube. It's my official artist channel. And I also have a Patreon where I have exclusive, never-before-seen prison footage. So go ahead, look in the description below. You'll see all my links to Apple Music, Spotify, my Patreon, all that. And the majority of my music as well, man, was written while I was incarcerated. So it gives you a deeper look inside my incarceration. So this is your boy, E.I. The King, and this is the Incarceration Podcast, where I talk about prison, pre- post and present and how everything that I experienced throughout my incarceration has forever changed my life. This is the incarceration.